Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Tonight, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor. We're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, tonight at 9, 8 central on CBS. Tonight, it's the CBS original comedy, The Neighborhood. I need at least a month to prepare for a debate, not six hours. Actually, it's four hours. <laughs> no, my watch is broken, too. With Cedric the Entertainer, Max Greenfield, and guest star Wayne Brady. You gotta fund the schools or graduate fools. I stole all my lines. Look, don't worry, I got a plan. Okay, well, what is it? Okay, so I don't have a plan. A new episode of The Neighborhood. You're gonna have to give them a show. Tonight, 8, 7 central on CBS. Radio FNZ, welcome into the 4 o'clock hour here on Wilson and Parcel. Josh Belichick's playing everyone again. He's doing it again. This is what he does. This is this is why Bill Belichick gets paid a bazillion dollars a year. This is why he's the GOAT. I I can't believe I can't believe people are falling for it either, Josh. What is it? That's a great question. <laughs> I should probably tell the people. Uh, Belichick was asked on Wednesday morning before practice on if it might benefit uh, to pair two signal callers in a platoon situation. Basically, he was asked if Belichick would consider platooning Cam Newton and one of the other quarterbacks, probably Jared Stidham on that roster. And Belichick's answer was it might I always say I do I'll do what I think is best for the team, what gives us the best chance to win. Whatever that is, I would definitely consider it. Run unbalanced line, double unbalanced line, twenty-three personnel, whatever it is, if it helps us, us win, I would consider anything. And uh this is clearly just Belichick. I one, I I'm gonna say this right now. I'm going full conspiracy. He planted the question. Well, the question, it's funny how this became a story because it was a, a leading question. And if it's Belichick, he's always going to, he's never going to give you any specifics. So when the reporter says, would you consider a platoon system? It's not like Belichick brought this up unprompted. You could ask Bill Belichick literally anything. You could be like, hey, hey, coach, uh, are you thinking about coaching in your underwear this season? Uh, would it help you guys win more games? And he would say, oh, you know, I mean, sometimes in your underwear, you know, sometimes it helps you with your, uh, you feel more comfortable in your own skin. And I think that, you know, if we do that, maybe we'll win. That's what he would do. Hey, he, would just, uh, he would just say, I'll coach in my underwear. It doesn't matter. You ask him anything. He's just going to, he's not going to give you an answer. That's the same thing with this. Hey, coach Belichick, would you consider putting lasers on your players to allow them to blind the opponent, thus giving your team a better chance to win? Well, you know, lasers are pretty bright and they, uh, they need to get in your eyes. And well, you know, if, if, if the laser helps, uh, you know, we, we, we tried lasers with Tom and we, uh, you know, we destroyed his phone. We lost the lasers there. So, no, if it works, we'll give it a shot. All right, we're going to go to Hacksaw of the <laughs> Globe Herald uh, Daily Edition there. Uh, yes, Coach, we've seen uh, Cam Newton dancing. And that uh, brings me to my question about Taylor Swift. What do you think of her new album? 
uh, well, Taylor's a really talented artist, but uh, they're all talented artists. I like Taylor. I like uh, I like all of them equally. Really, we're gonna give them all a shot, and um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll have to look at the film. But we're we're on to Katy Perry. The every everybody's on to Katy Perry. That's how you go. That was a really good ending. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I would thank also you, like to you. point out your Belichick is just this side of Coach O. Well, Coach O just gets a little bit louder, you know. Is it Bill Belichick? Just he, if he had a bunch of coffee and he and he grew up on the bayou, and he said, "Go Tiger, hold that Tiger." It's that's Coach good. O when Coach O just wakes up and he hasn't had his yes, coffee yet. Yes, yes, like, that's the other way around. That's true. <laughs> Go, go. Okay. It's like his wife wakes up in the morning. Good morning, Ed. Or, go Tigers. So, but this is what happens. This is what happens when Belichick gives them absolutely nothing. Is you absolutely are like he's not going to tell you who's going to be the starting quarterback. He's not going to tell you anything. So you might as well ask a leading question, which then you can write a stupid article on, and then no one's going to remember this week one when Cam Newton starts. And the New England Patriots win, and the Patriot way is secured. Yeah, this is dumb. This is this is your daily edition of dumb training camp stories. We have them all the time. Uh, it is officially overreaction season in training camp. And when some silly reporter is like, hey, coach, have you thought about this really random thing that hasn't worked in 50 years in the NFL? And literally nobody in, in pro football has tried since the, the, the Reagan administration. Have you thought about doing that this season? I also and like now, the idea. Now it's headline news everywhere. I also like doing? the idea that it makes sense because there's no preseason as if that's listen, the, the lack of a preseason and the fact that they signed Cam Newton two months ago, those two things are significant in the quarterback chase. But if Cam Newton's the winner, they're not going to be like, well, I feel like he got no five more plays. Let's wait till next week. No, or, or let's let's let, let's get those five plays in so Jared Stidham can run. What they're going to do is they're going to simplify the playbook early because the better player needs that to succeed. Man, I just I'm I'm here for it all. I'm here for every day. The, the the beat writer update on Cam Newton. Oh, he was eleven for twelve in this in this drill. He was six for six in this other drill, but the defense was was easing up in this one. So you kinda you, you gotta be careful. But you know, Kyle Duggar had an interception in the end zone. Literally one of the Patriots beat writers today tweeted about Kyle Duggar, the rookie, had an interception uh, in the end zone. And every single reply on Twitter was like, Don't care who threw it. All they want to know is who threw an, an interception in probably like a seven on seven drill with with I don't maybe they're wearing shoulder pads now at least they're wearing shoulder pads it's closer to a real game but now all they care about is who threw a pick on August nineteenth in a seven man drill I it is oh god again I'm happy sports are back every time this happens I have to remind myself that three months ago we didn't even know if we would have football so I'm happy that it's here but I the the last thing I need is more interception reports on August 19th or coaches tackling blocking sleds or Cam Newton dances in warmups. And what does it mean? Because Cam's dancing and, and Jared Stidham is taking snaps. Does that mean that Cam's not committed? I'm so, I am already over it. I'm glad football is here, but my God, can we just play the games? Because Cam Newton will be under center for the new England Patriots week one and everything between now and then is noise. Okay. But we can all admit if Jared Stidham would start, to dance, he'd have a better chance of winning the job. I guess so. Sure. Coach, I, Coach Belichick, do you think that if Jared Stidham started dancing, uh, much like Cam Newton, that he'd have a better chance to win the starting quarterback job? 
Well, you know, I mean, everybody dances sometimes. I danced at, I danced at a wedding one time, and it was a lot of fun. I, I danced like I got pants in my pants. And we're, we're, on to, we're on to more dances next. Okay, but the only thing he wouldn't say, Bill, you could pay Bill Belichick a trillion dollars. He would not say ants in the pants. He would not. I don't know. I, I we'll never know. Just to troll everybody. Yeah. Like, you know, but he like said he said, snap face really stuff that nobody would hear. <laughs> that hurts my throat. <laughs> that does? Yeah, I, I can't do that anymore. It's hard to talk. Also, uh, what do you hate more, Josh? Do you hate these storylines? I, I, I hate training or camp. Like, um,. Uh, draft, um, oh, yeah. buddy, buddy, you see, you're getting under my skin now. What so, do I hate more? Mock drafts in February yep. or training camp, uh, updates minute by minute in the middle of August. Put it on the poll. Ah, uh, dude, <laughs> it is close. It might be training camp. So you hate America is what I'm understanding. I love, I, uh, how did you come to that conclusion? There's nothing more American than training camp talk and mock drafts in February. You want to you want to bleep all over uh, apple pie too? I'm going to go uh, ahead and say there's a lot of things more American than than tweets about training camp. But start to name them, yeah. sir. Nick, you are Ron the guy. Swanson. Yeah, you are the, you are the guy in December that's like, oh, I love this mock draft that I, I just. Saw. I don't say I love it. <laughs> I say it's interesting. I say it's an interesting mock draft. A lot, way too early, <laughs> way too early. But it's an interesting food for thought when you're two and twelve. And there's nothing else to talk about. Just you wait, Sonny Jim. Just both of you wait. When this team is 1-11 and and it's November and we're gobbling turkey and talking about Justin Fields versus Trevor Lawrence, just you wait, Sonny Jim. Well, yeah, I mean, look, mock drafts are cool for like three teams that might draft number one and that's it. Like, and, and I mean, like on the radio, like talking about it, I'll read a mock draft every now and then. I mean, I think they're, I'm a college football guy. So I kind of look at it more from like a college football point of view, but dude, like literally all I care about is the top couple picks because who some do. And I, I respect the work that they do. Cause there's clearly a market for it. I'm not knocking the guys that do it, but like, if you're asking me things that I couldn't care less about who some dude has picking 24th. In, in, in an NFL draft that's six months away, yeah, no, I'm sorry. Don't waste my time. Hmm. I, I, okay. I would rather do literally anything else than spend my time thinking about who the Raiders are going to pick 17th in a draft where we don't even know if they're picking 17th at all. So back to this idea about a Patriots platoon at quarterback here, uh, which was floated in a leading question and then a very lengthy article on ESPN written on why it's totally could potentially happen and be necessary uh, I, yeah, this is that idea is ridiculous. There is another idea, and the idea that Bill Belichick shouldn't name a starting quarterback for game one until get until it happens that I'm on Bill Belichick, not only trolling people with this platoon thing and indulging in it, but Bill Belichick not naming his starting quarterback until he absolutely has to, whether it's mandated by the NFL or until game time. I'm on that bus. I want to see that happen. Yeah, I mean it should. I mean, wh wh why give your opponent an advantage any with any more heads up than you need to? I I would never do that because think about it. If you're preparing for Cam versus preparing for Brian Hoyer or Jared Stidham, that's a very different game plan. So if I'm New England for two reasons, one, I don't want to give my opponent any extra time to prepare, and two. Cam Newton needs to earn the job. 
And I mean, I, I make fun of some of the reports, but based on the reports to this point, he hasn't been given any more reps than any other quarterback. He he has m- made some mistakes just in learning the playbook, which is to be expected. It's not like some sort of panic button you need to press. But Cam Newton, it's gonna he's not just gonna walk in day one to a brand new offense, brand new team, and and, and operate on fire on all cylinders. So if I'm New England, I want Cam to go every, in every single day approaching this as if he needs to earn the job, which he should. And then if I'm also thinking about this from, you know, whoever new England plays week one, I'm not sure who they've got week one, but I don't want them. Miami. Miami, I don't want Miami knowing three weeks ahead of time that Cam Newton's going to be my guy. I want them to think, Hey, I mean, look, if I'm Brian Flores, I'm game planning mostly for cam, but I don't want them to know for sure. I'd rather there be some mystery to it. There's no reason to let anybody know. Seven Oh four, five, seven, zero, 96, 10. Uh, could the Patriots platoon get Cam Newton? and Jared Stidham at the quarterback position. Matt in Gboro, what's up, buddy? Uh, others have said, and I, and I agree, Cam Newton makes people stupid. Maybe maybe that is not only applied here to our fans and media. but Matt, this is really concerning because a good deal of the, Bo- the Boston media started stupid. So if Cam Newton's going to make them dumber, this could be unbearable. Uh, it, it's kind of funny, and you, you see the guys out on which one tweeted, you know, oh, Cam is actually accurate. He has better ball placement. Cause, you know, it, it, the, the narrative of him coming in, uh, he, he was a huge star that nobody actually watched, uh, especially, you know, at least, you know, in 2018 when he showed he can be a uh, accurate, uh, like, you know, type quarterback. But uh, <laughs> I just think it's funny that any, any idea, even uh, for – Belichick, not to name a starter, who would actually believe he would put Stidham in over a healthy camp? Yeah. I, I just, I can't even imagine. Mike Reese, apparently. Somebody, somebody who, who would have to have their head examined to, to believe that's a possibility. But uh, uh, can I weigh on McCaffrey real quick? Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, expectations for him? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he actually has more receiving yards than rushing yards this year. And that, that based on, I believe, one of those running backs, most likely uh, uh, Bonifon, will get a lot more reps and be, you know, get, get the ball a lot more than a lot of people are, are thinking. I think the, the carries may actually be a 50-50 split, and McCaffrey will be uh, do more damage as a receiver, you know, lining up wide and actually, you know, catching some balls uh, farther downfield. I think he'll be more of what, you know, Greg Olson was as far as in the uh, passing game. I think the only thing with that, and I think of the call, is is the idea of him splitting 50-50 reps right now. It, there just isn't a Mark Ingram. And quite frankly, I don't even know that there's a Latavius Murray here. Getting back, I just realized that this is, you know, Bill Belichick. We started this by saying Bill Belichick is just playing folks again. Think about it. The Jared Stidham thing might also be the the, the whole offseason. He sold Jared Stidham, or, or rather, the Patriots organization sold Jared Stidham as as a legitimate guy this year, despite no evidence that he could potentially be the guy. And everybody bought it because it's Bill Belichick. People could be. This is all a root of him doing a great job at playing folks in the offseason and convincing everyone, including the Boston media, that Jared Stidham had a realistic chance of starting over Cam Newton. I, w- I will say this about Stidham, uh, and I've said this before on the show, and I think a lot of people miss this point, especially in Charlotte because they're all up on Cam, but just everywhere. 
Jarrett Stidham was a square peg in a round hole in college. And I do not look at Jarrett Stidham as a as your run-of-the-mill fourth-round draft pick. He is way more talented than most guys who get drafted in the fourth round. This is a kid who is the number one quarterback in America coming out of high school, which doesn't mean all that much. There's plenty of guys who are number one recruits that don't pan out and either don't become pros or if they do, they struggle. I mean, that happens. Kyle Allen was a number one quarterback, so it doesn't mean a whole lot, but he was the number one guy. He was very good at Baylor as a freshman before he got hurt, and then he transferred because of the Art Bryles situation. Uh, ironically, would have played for Matt Rule had he stuck around. And then he goes to Auburn, where the quarterbacks that have succeeded at Auburn are not NFL pocket-passing quarterbacks. It's, I mean, Cam Newton was not a pocket-passer at Auburn, but was a dominant athlete. Nick Marshall was a safety. The guys who have succeeded there don't fit Jarrett Stidham's skill set. I think Jarrett Stidham is more talented than people give him any credit for. But yes, Cam Newton should still be the starting quarterback. It's just... Stidham is not chopped liver. I think he could still be the quarterback of the future. Unfortunately, his production in college, while you're right on the square peg and round hole, his production was... That's my point. uh, Well, but they could both be true. He was not very good in college, even if he was in a system that didn't... like. At at some point, your production is who you are until you prove otherwise. Jonathan Joan weighs in on whether a platoon makes sense for Cam in New England next on Sports Radio FNZ. By the boat coming up in 25 minutes here on Wilson and Parcel. In the meantime, uh, I just got duped, Josh. I just got duped by a uh, fake account. Thought uh, thought Yannick Ngakwe got traded to Baltimore, lost myself for a minute, and then realized I got duped. Good news for the AFC North. The Ravens would be silly if they added Ngakwe. They already got Campbell. They'd just take the whole Jaguars defensive line. I uh, so I I will be logging off Twitter. That's not going to happen. I'll just I'll just continue to sit here in shame. Uh, and while I'm sitting in shame, somebody who's a pretty good guy to talk to if you're feeling low. It's the great Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports and CBS Sports HQ, the senior NFL reporter on the Technicom Hotline. JJ, welcome back to the show, buddy. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Appreciate you guys. Well, uh, we appreciate you as always. We were just talking about the the, the notion that uh, somebody in Boston media is trying to float that the Patriots could potentially go with a platoon quarterback situation involving Cam Newton. Are you buying that? <laughs> uh, no. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, you just watch the press conference and it's kind of incredible how that's turned into a story because all you have to do is like is just listen to the question and it's just posed, would you consider a platoon? And Bill Belichick's like, I'll consider anything that makes my team better. I'll run 23 personnel. I'll run with eight offensive linemen if it means winning a game. Like all of these, so like no, that he's going to play. The Patriots are one of the last meritocracies in the NFL. He's going to play the better quarterback uh, between Jared Stidham and Cam Newton. I'm not including Brian Hoyer in this, but very clearly, Cam Newton, when healthy, is the better quarterback. So Cam Newton's going to be the starting quarterback week one against the Dolphins. Yeah, and the other day, JJ, we were talking about guys who might win comeback player of the year. Cam's obviously a prime candidate for that. There's Rob Gronkowski, Matt Stafford, Ben Roethlisberger, some other names. If you had to pick a guy right now you think might win comeback player of the year, who would you take? Oh, um, I, Cam wouldn't be up there for me uh, just because I, I still have a lot of concerns about 
uh, how that shoulder is going to hold up throughout the season. Um, you know, if, if he has a heck of a season, uh, then he's certainly going to be a candidate. But I'm, I worry about him, and I worry about, you know, Roethlisberger and his elbow, uh, how that's going to go. So, you know, I keep seeing all the reports. These guys are zipping it. The Roethlisberger <laughs> feels better than he ever has before. And Cam has uh, an amazing uh, ball, all, all this stuff. Like, it, okay, that's great. And honestly and frankly, they should have great arms right now. It's going to be a matter of, uh, what the throws are looking like in November and December. Uh, as far as, yeah, I, I don't have a comeback player of the year just yet, but I wouldn't put those two at the very top of my list. JJ, you uh, brought out the report today that game day protocols went out to all clubs and no on-field entertainment, no cheerleaders, no mascots. Do we know hypothetically if there will be a mascot and or cheerleader bubble considered and where might that be considered to be placed? <laughs> yeah, sorry to surfer and percussion and to the top cats, uh, but uh, yeah, the, the protocols are very clear that uh, no on-field entertainment for 2020, but you might think that that means, all right, well, there's not going to be smoke-filled tunnels and team introductions, player introductions. It's actually not necessarily the case. Uh, teams still have the ability to have, uh, to have those items, pyrotechnics and smoke and whatnot, it just depends on uh, if you have enough of the game day personnel. Each team has 65, a maximum of 65 game day personnel workers that they can have. So if the same folks who put that stuff together, um, if you can include them in the 65 according to what you need on the game day, then you can have your smoke-filled tunnels. We're talking to Jonathan Jones from CBS Sports and the Technicom Hotline. JJ, uh, yesterday Washington made big news. They hired Jason Wright, first black president in NFL history. Uh, of course, that's even bigger news because of what's happened in Washington over the last couple of months. I, I know that there are some people who believe they, they see this hire and they're skeptical because they say, well, of course you're going to hire a minority after what happened a couple of months ago. But Jason Wright is a very deserving guy. What what can you tell us about Jason Wright, and, and what are your thoughts on that that line of thinking, the timing of the hire? Yeah, if they think that, then they're just an idiot, um, just flatly. They're just, they're just an idiot. Um, I mean, yeah, I spent 15 minutes on the phone with him last night. Um, you know, I've, I've read his reports from McKinsey that deal with very, very deep uh, racial complexities as it relates to economic inclusion and exclusion, uh, as it relates to COVID-19's impact uh, on black Americans. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard reports of uh, the conversations that he's had with CFOs and CEOs of Fortune 500 companies and how He's helped them sort of restructure and re-engineer certain departments. He was a partner at McKinsey, uh, which is a uh, you know a, a gigantic consulting firm, not without controversy. Um, he was a labor union rep for the Cardinals during the 2011 uh, lockout. He went to a top five business school in uh, University of Chicago at the Booth School. So all of those things, like if, <laughs> frankly, I mean, you just if anyone listening just heard that resume, right. they'd be like. Okay, yes, that's really impressive. And then you you honestly wouldn't care what race he is. So um, it, it is damning on the NFL that after 100 years uh, that this is the first uh, team president who happens to be black. Uh, whether or not he's going to succeed really depends not on him necessarily, but on Dan Snyder, because I think a, a number of fantastic people have gone through those doors up there, uh, and they've been booted out 
because of, of what he uh, mis- mischaracterizes and doesn't think is correct as a team owner. So, you know, sort of one of those, all right, well, beware, because you don't know if he's changed yet. Uh, but Jason Wright is absolutely one of the top candidates in the NFL. Well, of course, I think people in Carolina have maybe more of a keen interest in what's happening in Washington just because of Ron and Ron being up there. The fact that Ron is is apparently going to be very involved in the rebranding of the team, is, is that something that he should be involved in, do you think, J.J.? I mean, th- this guy's already being asked to kind of handle personnel. He's coaching the team, and, and now he's involved in all of this. Is, is it too much responsibility for Ron? You know, he asked for it. I mean, uh, he, he knew what he was getting into. Uh, now, he might not have known all the work on that Washington franchise, but also, I mean, he, he, he was, he's a smart enough man to know what he doesn't know. And so when he took that job back in January, he's been in the league for a long time. He, he, he's heard the same things that I've heard about the Dan Snyder run operation. He decided to take that job. Uh, so he also, in, in the pitch to Dan Snyder, he said, listen, when I was in Carolina for most of the time with Jerry Richardson as owner, with Dave Gettleman as general manager, I had to be the face. Of, of the franchise. I had to be the guy outside, of course, on the field with Cam Newton and Luke Keekley. I had to be the guy who um, who went up and talked in all the press conferences, who had to handle the Greg Hardys and all of stuff like that. Well, I mean, again, you asked for it, and that's all the good and the bad. And he might have felt one way about uh, the team name, and now that it's changed, he's you know, helping lead that effort. It's obviously going to be a process that takes some time. I, I, I knew that it wouldn't be figured out this summer. Uh, I would be surprised if they don't have a, a name in place by the start of the 2021 season, just from a branding perspective. But everything I'm hearing out of there from my sources with the Washington football team is they want to get this right. So, you know, they're saying that they're willing to go through the 2021 season. For me, I think it's a we'll see. JJ, we got into this conversation about the Panthers earlier in the show. What do you see as the floor and what do you see as the ceiling for the Panthers this year? Oh, six and ten is a ceiling. Uh, if we have sixteen games, uh, you know something in, in that win percentage area. I, I think that this is a, a four to six win team. Um, when when you just kind of look at it, the defense. I, I just yeah. Listen, it's it's really not a commentary on the offense and the speed and Teddy Bridgewater and whether they're going to scale up or scale down Christian McCaffrey. And I don't know how they'll scale him up. Uh, it's just more about the defense, and you just got a bunch of young guys who have never played together. Uh, you got a, a first-year coaching staff that couldn't get their hands on these guys until you know literally a, a couple days ago. So all of those things considered, I, I don't know if defense is going to have many games where they're not allowing 40 points, um, and that's just the fact of the matter. And so the offense can can play well, and they can you know post 30 points or so, but I just don't trust in the defense. There are some solid pieces, of course, Shaq Thompson. Trey Boston, if they can figure out Brian Burns, which, you know, it's the middle of August and everybody's feeling great about him right now, all of those things, but there's it's, there's too much youth and inexperience on that side of the ball. JJ, looking at the offense real quick here, we've talked about uh, uh, what what's going to be the difference between them being just, you know, decent to being uh, better than decent. What do you think's the key to having this offense being the best it can be and carry this defense as much as it can? You know, Teddy Bridgewater has to play like the 5-0 and Teddy Bridgewater and not the, uh, the the Teddy Bridgewater who came in in that, I think, week two game against the Rams and kind of stunk it up. And he, he admitted as much in the conference call with reporters the other day. I'd love to see him take a few more chances. 
Uh, I know that he was just trying to hold down the fort until Drew got back last season, uh, but he wasn't taking a lot of deep shots last year. Uh, he, you know, yeah, I think he had nine touchdowns to two interceptions. He took probably a few more sacks than you wanted him to, probably because he was being a little conservative with the ball, not wanting to turn the ball over, not wanting to, you know, hurt the Saints um, in, in that respect. And so, honestly, this is a year for, for Teddy to just let it fly, let it rip, let's have some fun, let's figure some things out, let's kind of work out the kinks right now. Because, you know, frankly, this is – and we all know this. This is not a Super Bowl team. It, I mean, it'd be it'd be one of the greatest shocks of the last couple of years if they were to make the playoffs. And so understanding all that, you know, go out there, have some fun, see what you can do, learn what you can't do, uh, and, and use that to build off of in 2021. You can follow him on Twitter, at jjones 9 he is uh, one of the greats uh, of the NFL, senior NFL reporter for CBS Sports and CBS Sports HQ, Jonathan Jones of the Technicom Hotline. JJ, great stuff, buddy. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks, man. Good man there, Jonathan Jones. Uh, not the sexiest name, but his impact could still be felt here in Carolina. Sports Radio FNC. Radio FNZ by the boat coming up in just about eight minutes here on Wilson and Parcel. We'll see what uh, what Josh is going to help us by the boat with today. In the meantime, Josh, earlier in the show, we got into the fill in the blank of don't sleep on. And I didn't give this name out, but I, I am I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. I thought Dennis Daly had flashes last year while playing out of position. I think sliding him in to what is going to be the better position for him in the pros on that offensive line, I don't know about a lot on the offensive line. I think he could be a long-term solution at guard. Well, that would be a great news for the Panthers because they sorely need rock-solid guys on the inside of that offensive line. You know, Daly played both positions at South Carolina, was viewed coming out of school as a guy who could play both, could be that utility man on the offensive line. And you think about it, not so much with guys who are starting, but particularly guys who add depth on your own line. You want guys who are versatile because if you have guys who can play more than one position, you don't have to carry as many guys on your active roster. That's a benefit for Carolina. And, and it's true with the starters as well. So Daly's versatility is a good thing, but he's got to be proven at one or the other. And last year at tackle, he had one week where he was outstanding against Tampa Bay. He didn't allow any pressures. Of course, didn't allow a sack when he was playing at tackle. He was filling in for Greg Little in that game, but then he struggled mightily in some other games. I mean, uh, the, the uh, 49ers game, he was pretty bad. There were some other games where he was just lost out there and, and it was getting Kyle Allen killed. So if he can be better this year, sliding inside, being a guard, it could be a huge, huge benefit to Carolina because that could help them solidify a spot. If if he's not, they're going to have to address potentially four spots on that offensive line next year, at least three, but maybe four. If they can have Daly as a guy that they're confident in them moving forward, yeah, that'd be a big deal. Yeah, I mean, if we came out of this year with, with Dennis Daly, Taylor Moten, and even Paradis, who, while he's not young, is still a guy who could have some tread on the tires – if, if you came out of the season feeling like those three guys were going to be a part of your offensive line moving forward over the next few years, that would alleviate some of the pressure to try and fill two other spots. I, I Listen, if they don't if they don't have the chance to re-sign Taylor Moten, we could be looking at a total 
overhaul the offensive line because Okung's going to be a free agent. And if Matt Paradis busts this year, you can move off him too. If somebody's got to do it. I think Dennis Daly, of all the young guys, has the best chance to step in and make the make that necessary play this year. For you, what are some of the other names you've looked at? Yeah, and if you guys want to weigh in on this, I put it out on Twitter, at Josh Parcell, on the Diamonds Direct Twitter feed. We've got over 50 responses right now. People are chomping at the bit to try to you know make their pick on who's going to be the surprise player. I said earlier in this show, don't sleep on Steven Weatherly. Weatherly's a guy out of Minnesota who never had a chance to be the starting defensive end. He was backing up two terrific players. And he's backing up Everson Griffin, who's a tremendous edge rusher, and then Daniil Hunter, who's one of the best sack artists in the league. I think that given the opportunity here in Carolina to start, which he will be, I think Stephen Weatherly is one of those guys. The other one that I wouldn't sleep on, and this is pretty heavily under the radar, but it's Kenny Robinson. You know, I, I've, I've been big on Kenny Robinson since they drafted him. I think Robinson could factor into the secondary. He's a little bit more mature as a guy who's played some semi-pro ball playing in the XFL. I think if it weren't for a very bogus explanation for why he was kicked out of school at West Virginia, uh, he would have been drafted higher. This, this guy was a third-round talent, maybe even a second-round talent, but you know, he, he exited West Virginia. It was a really bizarre situation. You read the story. I really don't hold it against the kid. I, th- I think he's a good, by all accounts, he seems like a good guy that got caught up in a weird situation. It's not entirely his fault. Maybe sl- some lack of maturity, but nothing that's a red flag to me. So I think they got a guy in the fifth round who is probably closer to a second or a third round pick. I actually think he's the most ready having played in the big 12 and having played in the XFL. I think he might be more ready just to, from a football standpoint, maybe not athletically, but from a football standpoint to play early on. It sounds like Jeremy Chin's going to get a lot of action early, so I don't know that Robinson's going to see more snaps than Jeremy Chin, but Jeremy Chin coming from the lower level and then Troy Pride, who is more of a raw project, I think, at corner, I could see Robinson being a factor in the secondary and some you know nickel packages, some extra DBs. Those are two guys that I like on defense, and let's face it, outside of Brian Burns and Derek Brown, there's not really any other guys that, that we know much about on that defense. I mean, we know a lot about Dante Jackson or Shaq Thompson, but... It's not really good things. I really, really like Kenny Robinson, and I like that he does. I mean, if this defense is going to have a chance to to compete early on, they're going to have to turn the ball over because, and they're meaning they're going to have to basically make up for some mistakes that they're going to make because they're young, and because some the guys who aren't young haven't really played a lot uh, outside of Trey Boston, Shaq, and Tahir. So, you, how do you do that? You go ahead and get turnovers. You know, Kenny was a guy who has a ball hawking tendency. That's going to help this young defense, and they're, they're going to need him. And and I would say Trey too, and Dante, who uh, easy interceptions, but they're going to need those guys to be able to help get some turnovers and help slow some of the losses they might have just because of their their the youth. Yeah, Kenny Robinson, he had seven picks in in two years at West Virginia. His first team All Big Twelve as a sophomore. Guy had 77 tackles. I mean, this is a this is a legit player. I, I really do. I mean, I I think that that was the best value they got anywhere in the draft. 
was getting Kenny Robinson in that fifth round. He had two pick sixes in, uh, or earlier two defensive touchdowns, I should say. I believe they were both pick sixes, but two defensive touchdowns as a freshman. This is the kind of guy, to your point, that the Panthers need. I love James Bradbury, but James Bradbury was not a guy who was going to make plays at the point of attack and, and take the ball away. Last season, he started to get more interceptions, but he wasn't a, a guy who was known for his ball skills. He's a physical corner, but he's not a guy who's going to create a lot of takeaways. Can Kenny Robinson be that guy? Can Dante Jackson be that guy. I don't love Dante Jackson, but the one thing I do like about him is he has a nose for the football. Uh, Trey Boston. Trey Boston is one of the best pass coverage safeties in the game. Tackling and run defense is another issue, but in terms of just when the ball is in the air, there aren't a lot of guys in the league at safety that attack the ball and high point the ball and go make plays better than Trey Boston. So there are that, that's my that's the most optimistic I can be about that secondary. But that's when you say, hey, don't sleep on this guy. Don't sleep on Kenny Robinson. He's no one's talking about Kenny Robinson right now. He is so far down the priority list of Panthers fans. But I do think that, you know, week eight comes around. We're halfway through the season. Maybe Kenny Robinson's made a couple of plays here or there. And we think eh, maybe they got something in this kid. Maybe this is a guy who can be a part of the secondary for the years to come. Uh, we're asking you guys to fill in the blank here. Don't sleep on fill in the blank here. Uh, Nick saying you tour gross Matos is going to rock it. Uh, and he went in to talk about, you know, the pressure to force uh, picks, uh, talking about the front seven. I don't know that that's what Yitor Grossmatos is going to be right away, right? I mean, I think I think that's kind of been the conversation with Derek Brown. Well, you, you, did he do it enough in college? Yitor Grossmatos is a guy who's going to be really good on the run game. That I know, the, the pass... The pass rush game is going to be where we got to see the upside eventually. And then Terry saying, don't sleep on Pharaoh Cooper. I actually think of all the, listen, having having a decent return game on a team that's going to win three to six games, I don't know how impactful that's going to be. The guy that I love we're hearing about is Omar Bayless, who Matt Rule has said now multiple times, thinking that he can be, as long as that knee doesn't keep swelling up, he could be an impact player or a young rookie that, that helps them out this year. And that's precisely the kind of players the Panthers need to shake a few free on and find a few good pros on, guys who are undrafted free agents who wouldn't get playing time otherwise but are going to get some opportunities here. You get a couple Omar Baylisses, you know, maybe one wide receiver, an offensive lineman, maybe a maybe a defender or two, and, and then and plus what you did in the draft, a couple of those guys turn out, and then suddenly we feel good about the Panthers' core moving forward. Yeah, and, and a guy that I think on the offensive side, uh, I, I agree with Bayless, by the way. A lot of people have said good things about him. I, I don't think he's going to factor into the offense too much, but as an extra body and uh, maybe a special teams guy could be good, but uh, Ian Thomas is, is a dude that it, it, it's been inconsistent his first two years. When he's been given the chance, he's shown flashes where he can be really good, especially as a pass catcher. Now, he he drops the ball a little too much. He had three drops in each of his first two years, which is a lot for a guy who's not getting targeted too much. But in, in 10 games in Ian Thomas's career, where he has seen at least two-thirds of the snaps in a game, I mean, this is basically when Olsen is out, in 10 career games, he's averaging four catches, 40 yards, and .3 touchdowns, which if you put that over the course of the whole season, you're talking about a guy with about 65 catches. You're talking about a guy with about, in the neighborhood of about 600, 600, 700 yards. 
and you're talking about a guy with about five touchdowns on the season. That would be a really good year for a tight end. And if they could get that out of Ian Thomas, I think they'd be thrilled. And maybe that's, again, you're just looking for places where they don't have to go in next year and address it. The fewer positions that they've got to try to address in free agency and address through the draft, the better, which is where Dennis Daly's and the Ian Thomases of the world have a lot riding on this season. We're going to continue on with this throughout the show, but don't sleep on fill in the blank for the Carolina Panthers. It is time for Josh Parcells attempts to buy the boat let's do it all right guys it is time for buy the boat this is my chance to help you get rich tonight all right last night uh, I, I went against my better instincts. I went against my better judgment. I've been telling you for a week the Blazers are going to win the series. But I thought the Lakers could get it done last night. I should have just stuck with my boys. And I should have gone full Charles Barkley and said bring out the brooms. But the Blazers did win last night. I gave you the Lakers six and a half. That was a loss. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, you guys can laugh it up. Laugh it up. Uh, I also gave you Anthony Davis over 29 and a half. If Davis just could make a three, that would be great. He goes 0 for 5 from three. And he finishes with 27 points. That was a loss. No! Uh, but we did win earlier in the night. Houston, with the 15-point win, I gave them out as one-and-a-half-point underdogs. They cruised against the Thunder to go up 1-0. Yeah! I mean, it's so good. Why did you just let it play, man? Let it bask in the glory. Don't do it. All right, so one and two last night. We're three and three for the week, but tonight we get back above 500. Uh, Boston and Philadelphia. Gordon Hayward is out tonight. Doesn't matter. I like Boston to win this game. I think that uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum pick up the slack on offense on the wing. They've been great all really throughout this bubble return. Boston still one of the best offenses in the game. I think Philly is a dead team walking. I think Boston wins again tonight. So I'm taking Boston minus four and a half. And I think Kemba has a big night. Kemba played 36 minutes in game one. Finally starting to get his full allotment of playing time. And I think he puts it over 20 and a half. That's a low number for Kemba Walker, especially when somebody else has to pick up some of the, uh, the offensive load with no Gordon Hayward. So give me over 20 and a half points for Kemba. Big night for him. And then you know what? This is a bit of an emotional pick. I try to be, I try to be logical. I try to use my brain, not my heart. But my heart says Dallas tonight plus six against the Clippers. I don't know if Dallas wins, but I think they are ticked off and I think they are chomping at the bit to get back at the Clippers after they feel like they were robbed in game one. That was a game where they led by five when Perzingis was kicked out. I'm taking Dallas plus six tonight. Game two of the Western Conference first round against the Clippers. So real quick, the other picks after uh, Dallas plus six. I got Boston minus four and a half. Kemba Walker over 20 and a half. That is how we buy the boat tonight. Every single day at five, uh, 445, we go ahead and buy the boat here with Josh Parcell. When we come back, what's the Panther ceiling this year? What is the Panther floor? We'll discuss that on Sports Radio FNC.